Welcome to Whole and Holy. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary, and I'm your host for this episode of Whole and Holy. Our episode today is called Serving Special Kids, and my guest is Jody Wolkersdorfer, who is a former special education teacher in the K-12 schools. She now works at Bethel University full-time. She teaches both undergraduate and graduate-level courses for students who are working toward a master's degree in special education. She's also spent 15 years working with local churches to implement ministries and train volunteers that support families of kids with special needs. She's also the ADA director for Joyful Noise which is a large family weekend event uh, that's held in June of each year. And this year is going to be her third year speaking at Johnny and Friends One Body Conference, which is held the first weekend in April. So Jody, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I want to dive in and talk about this issue of of serving special families. Uh, Could you just tell our listeners briefly about your involvement in this ministry, how you got into it, Mm -hmm. and then we'll unpack that a bit more. Sure. Um, well, this ministry really started as just one one of the kiddos that I had in a class at school uh, when I taught in the public school system, and he happened to go to the same church as I did. And I noticed in the elementary setting on Sunday mornings that he would oftentimes plug his ears or put his hands over his ears and try to hide underneath the table uh, because it was just really sensory overload for him. And it mm. made him kind of look discrepant from his peers. And I just knew it was really uncomfortable for him. But because I knew that about this student, I was able to just kind of take him in the hall and have a little quiet conversation with him until the loud singing was done because we like to sing and dance and jump up and down and have all these motions that go on Sunday mornings with our songs for kids. And that's not great for all kids. For some, it's wonderful. But for this particular kiddo, it was best to just give him a break during that time so that once the singing was done, he could go back and fully engage with his peers uh, with their small group time and not be kind of set off because of what had previously happened. Um, So that was kind of just the start of this ministry and my involvement in it was just one kiddo who needed Hmm. a little bit of extra kind of support or a little bit of an accommodation on a Sunday morning. And for us, that ended up growing into multiple kids at our church who used some sort of accommodation like that. And we eventually took a room and made it what we now call the sensory room uh, at church where we do have kind of dim lights and some beanbag chairs. And it's really, really specific for kids who might need a break on Sunday morning, Mm. who might need a place to start out um, that's a little bit quieter, a little bit more calm so that they can engage with their peers and really... uh, hear about Jesus in a way that's not distracting to them. Hmm. Wow, that's that's great. So thinking about that, why does it matter that uh, we churches grow in their effectiveness in serving these special families? And you and I talked mm-hmm. about it's not just special kids, it's special families. But why, mm-hmm. why is this uh, important that mm-hmm. we grow in effectiveness in this way? Yeah, we have talked about that because one of the things I've noticed as I've been working in this field is that um, kids are one of the things we think about first when we think about churches and building churches and all of these elementary age kids in particular that um, come. And that's a lot of times when we first notice disabilities um, with our family members is at the elementary age. I think it's so important, though, for our churches to understand that... um, 
we need to embrace not just these kids, but the families and really watch our language with that. And so Mm. when we think about our effectiveness in this area, it's not just having some accommodations on a Sunday morning, like a sensory room, um, but it's really looking first off at the ministry of Jesus. Mm. And uh, one of the classes I teach at Bethel, we start with a devotional each week talking about different heroes in the Bible that actually very likely had what we would call disabilities today. Hmm. So just on Monday, we talked about Moses, who very likely had a speech impediment. Mm -hmm. He stuttered, and he said, God, don't call me to do this. Have my brother Aaron do it. He can speak. I get all tongue-tied. And God didn't say, oh, okay, thanks. I hadn't noticed that, (laughs) but let's have Aaron do the speaking for you. He said, no, Moses, you've got this. Yeah. I've got you. Yeah. At church, we need to do that same thing. We need to say, hey, we welcome and embrace everyone, regardless of ability or disability, to look at the family as a whole. So I think that's a a big piece of it for us as faith communities. But I think we also should look statistically at our churches. And one of the things I've heard from some churches is we don't really have a need for a ministry like that. Hmm. To which I would say... You actually do. And if you look at your congregation and you don't see anyone who could use some sort of a disability ministry, you're missing out. Um, Either those people have tried your church and aren't coming back because they don't feel supported or Hmm. have some things in place. But we know statistically one in five Americans is diagnosed with some sort of physical or mental disability. Hmm. One in five. So when you are standing as a pastor at the pulpit looking out, that's 20% of your congregation yeah. struggles with some sort of disability. And if you add in family members, most of your congregation is affected by disability. Um, for those of us in Minnesota, autism spectrum, we are one of the highest states in the mm. nation with autism spectrum disorder. And in Minnesota, it's one in 42 kids. Mm. Um, nationwide, it's one in 59 kids. But here in Minnesota, that's... When you're looking at your elementary school kiddos, you should have a number of those that are likely on the autism spectrum that you're thinking about when you're preparing for Sunday morning church or Wednesday evening church or all these things that happen in between. Hmm. You know, it it occurs to me as we're talking about this that there might be a, a sense in which churches are resistant or reluctant also because it can seem overwhelming, mm-hmm. you know, and and you want to get it right. You don't want to make a mistake. And and a lot of churches deal with a lack of resources. So, mm-hmm. so when you think about, oh my gosh, if we're going to start something like this, it must be expensive and then there's liability mm-hmm. and, and all these sorts of things uh, to say nothing of the fact that oftentimes people are, are not necessarily very comfortable mm-hmm. with with this. So so those are some barriers I would imagine mm-hmm. just thinking about my, my own experience mm-hmm. and what that might be. What what would be some of the biggest mistakes that churches and pastors make when trying to deal with this when serving special kids? Mm-hmm. So I do hear that fear a lot when I've m- meet with pastors and one of the fears that can be a, a true fear is the fear of lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, the fear of doing it right. And if we do something wrong, what is that going to mean? Um, to that, I would say first, God is a really, really big God. Um, he's not going to give you something that your church can't undertake. I would say to start this, really just start with prayer. Mm-hmm. And 
you don't have to go all in. In the church that I am currently at, we still really focus on elementary age, early childhood, elementary age. We're getting better at understanding and having things in place for middle school and high school age kids and their families Mm -hmm. as a whole. We don't have a great ministry for adults. Um, One of our campuses has a better ministry than others, but it's not equal across both campuses. Mm. We don't have the resources to do that right now. Mm But uh, we have found that by opening up this ministry, we now have multiple people coming to us and saying, hey, I want to be a part of this. So that fear has been alleviated without us having to do it as much as it is just God stirring in people's hearts and saying, hey, it's really cool. I saw this little boy with Down syndrome singing Mm -hmm. up on stage. That's really awesome. Can I be a buddy with him? Wow. So Yeah. What about things like, you know accessibility bathrooms and that sort of thing. I think a lot of times when people think about special needs, they might be thinking about people in wheelchairs, Mm -hmm. a a physical disability that can be really expensive to try to accommodate Mm -hmm. in in some ways in terms of bathrooms, that sort of thing. What what sorts of things do churches need to be thinking about Mm -hmm. with respect to that? And and what you're telling me, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like you know, that's just a small slice of, mm-hmm. of the kinds of needs that are represented in, in our congregations. Yeah, and I'm actually, I'm really glad you asked that because that is that is a piece of it. Um, and there are some laws that actually have to be followed with buildings and making sure they're accessible when you're thinking about some of those physical disabilities that we see. Um, but when we think about the church as a whole, and even when I say something like autism spectrum disorder, which is only one of the 13 categories of disabilities that we see even Mm. here in Minnesota. That's Mm -hmm. just one sliver of it. There are lots of people who can walk into the building and don't need a handicap accessible bathroom necessarily, but there are also so many hidden disabilities Mm. that we need to really be aware of. And so when I think about uh, churches and what it's important for pastors and for leaders to know is that they really need to be able to view the congregation with open eyes Mm. and, and not get stuck on disability ministry being a ministry for people who physically look like they may need some additional support. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a sliver we need to consider and we need to think about. Um, and at our church, we have one-on-one buddies for some of the people who have more significant disabilities, and it becomes a safety issue mm-hmm. to not have a buddy with them. But there's also lots of other things that churches can do to really say, all families are welcome here. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a behavior issue. Maybe it's for a season. Sometimes disabilities are things that um, families may not even know exist yet. When you're mm. talking about younger younger kiddos, um, that's one thing that we found really important to just build relationships with families and let them know it's not bad parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that... We don't want them at church. We want them to come to church. We want to come with them to make it successful for both sides. Yeah. You know, you talked about behavior issues and that sort of thing. And, you know, of course, this doesn't happen in my church or your church, but there might be mm-hmm. some churches where uh, some a behavior issue that is a result of a disability mm-hmm. is is treated as a discipline problem, uh, something like that. How would you respond to that? What what should pastors and leaders know about that or thinking about how to respond to that? I think 
the key to that is to uh, build a relationship with the family. So we're going back to the family again. Mm-hmm. And we we do have a, a kiddo that I work with um, pretty frequently who can escalate pretty quickly. And uh, one of the very first weeks we met this family, I sat down with the mom and said, tell me what really bad looks like. Hmm. And I realized this particular um, boy could punch a hole in the wall. Hmm. So I went to our pastor and said, okay, so if we really welcome this family, worst case scenario, we may have to clear a classroom um, and have, you know, the other kids move someplace else. And we may have to replace some sheetrock. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? And he said, absolutely. Mm. Welcome them in. Wow. This has been three years now. We've never had to replace sheetrock. Okay. We've only one time had to move some kids to a kind of a different area. Um but this is a family of six who is all of the family is tremendously involved at church now. Mm-hmm. They all are able to minister. And this boy who really, really can struggle with some behaviors has actually learned how to mentor mm. some of the other kids with behaviors because he knows what it's like. Wow. That's so, so going back kind of to your question is really just just ask. Ask families. Be honest with them and say, tell me what this really looks like yeah. so that... We can tell me what you need, and I'll tell you what we can do. Yeah, wow, that's that's great. Are there things? I'm just thinking about my own experience as a pastor, and and what this might be like, and and that sort of thing. Is there language that should be avoided? Language we should be using? I I just think about how how we might want to welcome families mm-hmm. in, and. You know, there might be language that we're using in churches that is just not helpful mm-hmm. at all. I think about seekers, for example. We mm-hmm. talk about, you know, don't use languages like sanctuary and narthex or mm-hmm. things like that that, that yes. just don't communicate. Though for insiders, it's fine. Is there language even that you would recommend people think about mm-hmm. when we when we talk about these things? Put it put that on our radar for for folks who may not have thought about this a whole lot. Right, right. There is some language. I think um, a, just a big piece of it is being aware. One of the things I've learned is that, uh, for example, with special needs, we have kind of gone back and forth between using the term special needs and using the term support ministry. Mm. Not everybody who uses the ministry we provide has special needs, or like I mentioned before, maybe their parents don't quite know. The kid mm-hmm. might not be in school yet. They don't know that their child is discrepant from peers, Yeah, um, or maybe they're just not ready to accept it. Maybe it's just for a season that a child is having some outbursts and it's, you know. So I think there's not necessarily one right or one wrong language. Um, for a while, uh, many in the disability community wanted first or person first language. So some people prefer to say, hi, I'm Jody and I am on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Some people would say, I'm autistic. Mm. I'm not either of those, but some people would use that type of language to describe their disability. There's not a right or a wrong. There is an important need to ask people what they are comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, So as you meet families and you get to know families, ask them, how would they like you to refer to them, to their child? Um, How do they want to communicate? And I would actually upfront say, and I apologize ahead of time. Mm. If I say something that might be offensive, please let me know Mm -hmm. if that's the case. Mm -hmm. 
The other thing that you can do, um, especially to the pastors who may be preaching to a congregation that are listening, uh, I have really appreciated that our senior pastor sometimes reaches out to me and says, hey, I'm working on my sermon for Sunday. Can you help me with this little part right here? Hmm. Um, you know, maybe he's talking about some negative behaviors mm-hmm. and he wants to make sure that he says it in a way that's sensitive to everyone who's listening. Um, a lot of times parents who have kids who struggle take it really as a, a knock on their parenting. And a lot of times that's not it at mm. all. Yeah. Um, these parents love their children dearly. Yeah. But sometimes we can come across in a church as being the place for not broken people, but for perfect people. Hmm. Yeah. One of the things too that um, on the website that I'll give you the link for to add later is a book that I've been reading. It's only been out for a few months. Disability in the Way of Jesus. Okay. Uh, is a book that came out just in uh, 2019. And it really talks about healing and what that means. And sometimes when it comes to special needs families, we tend to look at them as being broken. Mm. Someone with disabilities is not broken. This is the way in which God created them. Mm. And actually, we all are broken. Mm -hmm. We all are, you know, clay pots that Jesus is molding and he's the potter. Yeah. Right? He has his way of doing these things. Yeah. He sees the big picture. He is using every single one of us just as we are. Hmm. Um, So I think it's important for uh, pastors and leaders in the church to not look down on families or people with special needs as if they are broken or they need healing and that they can just kind of come, not lead them, not even come alongside of them where there's kind of this nuance of, alongside means I'm going to pull you with mm-hmm. me, yeah. but really just engage together in ministry, in relationship with one another. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, you've already started to talk about this, but I'm, I'm thinking about somebody who's listening to this and says, boy, I, I really want to, I want to start something. I want to be more effective in this. And you've already started to talk about a couple of things, praying mm-hmm. about it and mm-hmm. and talking to people. Are there some other suggestions you might have uh, for churches that want to want to get better in mm-hmm. this area and and love and serve everybody? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things to do is really first take a look at those who are already in your church. And have a real, true, honest conversation with them. Reach out to them and ask them what they need. Um, one of the families that I've talked to recently said they had, when they had their child that was born with Down syndrome, the pastor did that and reached out and said, hey, welcome. What can we do to help you? And then proceeded to actually listen and say, okay. We can do this. Yeah. And they've been a part of that church for 25 years and just absolutely embraced by the congregation and everyone in it. I think it's really important for those who are listening, who are leaders in the church, that they take the lead and set an example Mm. for this ministry. One of the things that has been frustrating on my end of things when I advocate for families is that these are families who are advocating 
all the time for their kids. Yeah. They're advocating in the school system. They're advocating just to be able to go out and go to the grocery store. They're advocating at the doctor's office, at the therapy office, all of these other things. If there is anything as a leader in church that you are able to do to advocate for this family, to say, what do you need? And then you say, okay, I'll work on that. So they don't have to continually come back and ask and ask and ask again, or to feel like they shouldn't be asking because they've already asked too much. Um, I think that's just such an important way that pastors and leaders in the church can step in and really um, be a part of this ministry, even if they don't know the ins and outs of special needs, even if they need to hire somebody or have a, a key volunteer who gets to know the families on a little bit deeper level, it really, if it can come from that lead, um, people in the church, families are much more likely to stay um, and to feel really, truly welcomed in the church. It occurs to me as you're talking that that's really the function, part of what you're describing is the function of a leader as establishing or changing the culture. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just in, imagining a, a situation where, you know, from the pulpit, a pastor may need to talk about the difference between bad behavior mm-hmm. that is willfulness or, or that sort of thing and behavior that is that a child, say, can't control right. or, or an adult. Right. Uh, you know, it might, it's not just children, but, uh, and, and that might, there, there's that leadership aspect of the pastor saying, you know, we need to understand this and, and changing the culture of the church. Right. I think that's, I can't remember if it was uh, Drucker, I think, talked about, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can have all the great plans in the world, but if your culture is one that says, hey, we don't, we don't really, accommodate people who are different and everybody's got to kind of be like right. us, Right. your, your strategy is going to go nowhere. So right. it seems of a piece of that, that, right. that this really has to be intentional about right. that. For me, in some ways, it seems a little bit like um, how worship has changed over the years. And, you know, I think 20 years ago when I walked into church and we sang hymns, that's what you did on yeah. Sunday mornings. And now I walk in and there's a band in front. <laughs> yeah. And at some point, the culture kind of shifted there, right. and churches said, hey, if we really want to be welcoming to this next generation, we aren't doing it with hymns. Hmm. Um, so we need to kind of think that same way. And I think just um, as we're wrapping up, too, I, I think it's important for churches to look at what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. Um there are many professional sports teams, the the zoo, the movie theaters, all of these places who are saying, hey, we've got a place for people who struggle. We have sensory rooms. We have um, backpacks that kids can check out at the zoo for somebody with autism mm. that kind of keeps them engaged along the way. If other places are doing this, why are our not? not our churches sure. just doing this and embracing this and saying, hey, we don't just want you going to the zoo. We want you coming to church on Sunday. Yeah, we're better for people right. to be. And, right. Well, and I think, too, the just the the change in how culture views, say, mental illness. Yes. And the stigma is reduced. I won't say eliminated, but, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly reduced around that so, so that people are used to talking more freely about yes. struggles with mental health. And if they can't do that in the church, 
they're going to go somewhere else, yes. uh, presumably. So, Yes. Yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm sharing with you for, um, to put on the website afterwards is one of the best books I've ever read, which is Mental Health and the Church. And it really has some tangible ways for those who are listening to, uh, in that book, that you can put into place this Sunday in your church to just be more aware. There's a lot of overlap between mental illness and those with special needs. And there's just some real tangible things that don't cost money, that don't take a lot of additional education. Yeah. Um, and then there's some other uh, links that I'm going to provide for you too to get connected with others who are, uh, there's some national ministries that have some really good supports out there. Look at churches around you who are doing this hmm. or nationally who are doing it. If there's not one in your area, find a church that is um, and ask them, what are they doing? What works well? Hmm. Um, and get together with other leaders and bounce ideas off of one another. Yeah. Model what works. That's great. Well, we're going to make sure those resources you mentioned are in the, the show notes, so we will definitely have have that and make that available. I want to ask, are there any last thoughts where this conversation goes so quickly mm -hmm. uh, when we get going in this way? Are there any final thoughts or takeaways you want to, to give to our listeners as they're contemplating this issue and, and thinking about how to, how to love mm. the people in their congregation? I, I think a, a takeaway I would like um, to kind of leave people thinking with is not just this as a ministry that we do for others, um, but just really remember that they also have something to give and to bring to the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes it, I think it was on The Voice or one of those TV shows recently where there was someone who was blind and autistic and had this amazing voice mm -hmm. and played piano and ended up winning this this whole show. Um, wow, how amazing if we had somebody that we allowed into our church to praise God. I'm telling you that some of the nonverbal kids that I've worked with, uh, the way in which they praise God, you can't see them hmm. and not have tears streaming down your face. Wow. They love God with their whole heart and they may not have the words to say it. They may not have behaviors that look typical, but boy, you can see Jesus absolutely in their eyes and in everything else that they do. Don't miss out on that as churches because you're nervous or have some fear. Welcome them in and embrace what they have because they really are Jesus right there hmm. in your midst. That is the closest you can get to Jesus sometimes. Wow. That's a great word and a great place for us to to end. Thank you so much for, for being a part of this episode and for sharing your perspective and, and your wisdom on this. You're obviously passionate about that, and, and mm -hmm. I want to thank you for being a part of this and, and just ask the Lord's blessing on you as you continue yeah. to serve thank in the way you. that you are. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Whole and Holy. I appreciate your sponsorship and support of, of what we're doing. If you would like to provide any feedback, please do so. The episode is whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. We welcome any feedback that you have about the episodes, suggestions for future episodes. That's all very much uh, welcome. And if you would, subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's on Stitcher or iTunes, anything like that, we welcome that. And it's a way of staying so that you don't miss a single episode. And if you would, take a moment to, to give us a rating. The higher our rating, the more easily people can find us. So if you, if you like what you've been hearing, please uh, give us a good rating on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you, wherever you can. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.